Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with theistic evolution as we pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. There is what is called theistic evolution. The acknowledging that God began everything but then set it free to evolve. He formed the first protein molecule but then he let it free to evolve into many forms of life. Acknowledging God in the beginning but then it is sort of a God who is removed from his creation because now the creation develops on its own evolutionary processes with God's hand having been removed. There is the theory that all of this happened just about between six and 10,000 years ago. And the universe in actuality is not any older than 10,000 years. That all of the guesstimates of man for the long period of time are just that, guesstimates of man. They are without proof. They are only theories. And that in reality, the universe is extremely young universe rather than an old universe as would be supposed. That the only reason why the scientists have sought to propound an old universe theory is to harmonize with the evolutionary theory which would demand an old universe because surely all of the life forms could not have evolved in a 10,000-year period. And that the fossils, rather than having been laid down over aeons of time, were actually laid down in one great cataclysm, the flood. And that the flood more accurately accounts for the fossil record than aeons of time during the evolutionary processes of the world. It is interesting that as far as we can ascertain, there is not any current fossils being embedded in the strata of the earth. That most of the mammal, uh, most of the mammals and, and leaves and everything else disintegrate and disorganize, that there are not fossils really being formed on the ocean floors, that there is that process of disintegration and incrustation on the ocean floor that takes place, but not the developing of fossils now. So if the ocean is not presently developing a column of fossils, then what were the circumstances that caused it to develop this long column of fossils in the past? Of course, there are trees that grow up through several of the stratas of the fossilized forms. And uh, how could one tree grow up through several millions of years? 
Uh, if you look at the fossil orders and the stratas in which they exist, it's difficult to explain how that you can have trees that grow up right through several millions of years of these fossil forms. How is it that you have the footprint of a man within the footprint of a dinosaur if the dinosaurs were extinct long before man ever inhabited the earth? There is an interesting new book called Earth in Upheaval by Vilakovsky, which is a great treatise against uniformitarianism, which is the basis of the evolutionary theory. And he points out in this new book, uh, Earth's in Upheaval, how that there is definite evidence of a great cataclysm that has taken place upon the earth that suddenly destroyed masses of animal forms and all kinds of bones mixed together from the various kinds of animals that do not have a natural habitat together, which are naturally enemies, that yet their bones broken and crushed, mixed together in caves in England and in other places, showing that they were thrown in there violently by force and, and were buried in the sand together and that there was some great cataclysm, a testimony against uniformitarianism. Now, basically, the evolutionary thesis is that all of the processes that are going on today have been going on for millions of years so that any of the life forms and all can be understood by the processes today. That there has been a uniformity to the whole cycles of life from uh, the time that the planet first cooled sufficiently for the water bodies to be formed and all. And that all things are going on in a uniform way. Well, the book Earth's in Upheaval is just a very powerful demonstration against that particular theory. If you destroy that theory, then you've really destroyed the evolutionary theory. And that's why uh, so many scientists just without really good reason, cry out against Emanuel Vilikovsky's works. But more and more, his works are being tested and proved to be quite accurate indeed. There are those who say that the days of Genesis were geological eras, that the word day, yom, in the Hebrew has a variety of meanings, which indeed is true. It is used some 11 hundred times in the Bible, and it's translated 51 different time spans, I think. Even to an indefinite period of time, the day of the Lord, the yom of the Lord, an indefinite period. So that they say that the days of Genesis are indefinite periods of geological eras. But that, of course, as I say, each of the theories presents its difficulties. If they be indefinite periods of geological eras, the difficulty with that is that if God created the plant life upon the earth in the third geological era and did not have the sun really shining in its position on the earth until the fourth geological era, how did the plant life survive for a whole geological era without the sun. And if God created man in the sixth geological era 
and he rested in the seventh geological era, it means that Adam would have been kicked out of the garden at the earliest, the eighth geological era, and thus was much older than the 912 years or whatever is ascribed to Adam's lifespan. So that creates problems too. Now, the idea that God created everything just about 10,000 years ago is an interesting idea and a concept, which, if you look at it, it is difficult to argue against. There are scriptures that say, for in six days God created the heaven and the earth and everything that was in them. The fact that death entered with Adam's sin then how could the fossil record testify of death before Adam's sin? Interesting arguments. One of the difficulties with that particular, well, one of the, one of the things that makes it impossible to challenge is that how old was Adam the first day that God created him? He was one day old. Well, then how could he have a full set of teeth, a fully matured body? We don't know if he had a navel or not, but... <laughs> but he was created with age-dating factors. In other words, if you would look at Adam, the day he was created, you'd say, why, well, he might be 35, 40 years old because he had certain maturation designs, really, that would testify to more than just a one-day-old. So there were already, at his day of creation, age-dating factors. Thus, God could have created the earth and the universe with age-dating factors, with fossils, already there, or with the galaxies already at a certain distance from the planet Earth, so that God could have created it with age-dating factors, which if you would look at it, you'd say, well, it's 10 billion years old, when in reality it was just created just a moment ago. And God is surely great enough and big enough to do it that way if he so desired. So that makes that particular argument a very interesting argument and a very plausible argument. One of the major difficulties that I see with it is that it doesn't really give us much opportunity for the understanding of angels and their creation. When did God then create the angels? Now, when God came to Job and began to challenge Job in the 38th chapter of that book, God said to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? And God speaks in the laying of the foundations of the world when the morning stars sang together or the angels singing together when God laid the foundations of the world. So the angels were existing when God laid the foundations of the world. So when were they created? And how is it that if they were created, the foundations of the world created one day 
And then a few days later, Satan is in the garden tempting Eve. When did Satan fall? When did he rebel against God? And if he was such a new creature and had been in heaven or been in also in the Eden, the garden of God, and, and had a dominion, an authority, a reign until the day that iniquity was found in him and then was cast forth, when did this all take place? Because Satan was there uh, soon into the garden to lead man astray. And how could it be that being created so newly, could he have such influence over the other angelic beings that he could draw with him in his rebellion a third of the angels? So that is a, presents a difficulty to me to the idea that the earth just has existed for maybe six to 10,000 years. The, what is known as gap theory seems to me to be a very plausible explanation and it is, of course, not without its problems completely, but I think the problems are not insolvable. Looking at it, from the gap theory, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How long ago? We don't know. As God created the heavens and the earth, he also created the angelic beings. He created the earth to be inhabited, and so there were inhabitants upon the earth. There is even the suggestion that Satan perhaps ruled over the sphere of the earth. The anointed cherub that covereth in the garden of God, every precious stone is covering and so forth, that in reality it was here upon the earth that he had his dominion and his rulership. And that there were life forms upon the earth prior to the introduction of man. That there was plant life and various life forms. But the earth became... And this is a possible rendering of the Hebrew in verse 2, rather than, and the earth was, and the earth became wasted and desolate. How it became wasted and desolate is suggested that perhaps at Satan's rebellion, the wrath of God was poured out and the earth was sort of put in a deep freeze. Waters covered the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved over the waters, that the earth was just covered with water, frozen, and set aside for a period of time. A great ice age. Now there is a lot of evidence to show that the earth has emerged from the last ice age less than 10,000 years ago. And for this, I would suggest the book Worlds in Collision by Emmanuel Vilikovsky. And in this particular book, he points out the fact, which is interesting indeed, that there is a canyon being created by Niagara Falls. This canyon is being created at a constant rate of one foot a year. Niagara Falls coming over, a tremendous amount of water is eroding away 
that shelf at the rate of one foot a year. There is a hotel on the Canadian side that 100 years ago was built right at the edge of the falls. Now it's 100 feet away from the falls as the water keeps eroding away at a fairly constant one foot per year. The canyon that has been formed by Niagara Falls is 7,000 feet long. And it would stand to reason in the earlier time of the glacial regression that the flow of water could conceivably have been much greater at that time than it is presently, and so the erosion rate could have been greater, hardly lesser. And there are other evidences that show that the earth emerged from the last ice age maybe less than 7,000 years ago, which, of course, would be very interesting indeed as we look at the account of Genesis, which places man upon the earth in his present form just about 6,000 years ago. Now, what kind of life forms may have existed upon the earth prior to the destruction, we don't know. God doesn't say. But man in his present form has existed on the earth for about 6,000 years from the time of Adam. And so the adherents of the gap theory see Genesis 1-1 as original creation and the rest of Genesis as a process of recreation as God began to recreate the earth in order to place man in his present form upon it. And thus the days of creation in Genesis are actually recreative days as God is now setting the earth to place man upon that earth. It is a very interesting theory indeed, a very plausible theory indeed. It would surely answer all of the problems that are raised by the scientists who are seeking to prove that the earth has been here for several million or billion years. It surely would not be out of harmony at all with what God has said here in Genesis 1. It is interesting that when Noah came out of the ark after the flood, when the inhabitants of the earth had been destroyed by the flood, the command of God to Noah was to replenish the earth. The same command that God gave to Adam and to Eve to replenish the earth. Speaking of perhaps a pre-existence of, of forms of life, but man in his present form has only existed for about 6,000 years and there is no way that anybody can prove that that is not true. So we look at Genesis and we see in chapter 1, the beginning, God creating the heaven and the earth. In verse 2, we see the earth without form and void Darkness covered with water and the Spirit of God brooding over the face of the deep. In verse 3, 
the beginning of the creative acts of God. Notice in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which would, of course, include the stars and all. But now we see the first thing that God declares, because the earth was covered with darkness, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now it could be that the earth was in a dark nebulae, that there was no light coming to the earth. That in this darkness, this dark nebulae, that the earth just froze, the great ice age. It is interesting that when we look at the creative days, those forms of life, such as plant life, that could have survived in the earth during an ice age, are spoken of as not being created bara but being assembled asa we'll continue with more of our verse by verse bible study in the book of genesis on our next broadcast as pastor chuck continues to teach through the bible and we do hope you'll make plans to join us but right now if you'd like to order a copy of today's message simply order genesis 1 when visiting the wordfortoday.org And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you by His power and in His love that you might be God's instrument this week to share His love with others, that you might be a blessing to those that you come in contact with as they sort of draw from your relationship with Jesus and are strengthened and blessed because of your walk with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As we look back over the roadmap of our lives, we often see the value of troubled times, personal trials, and even the experiences of pain or the death of a loved one. These are the building blocks that establish God's plan for us. It is with great honor that I'm pleased to introduce Pastor Chuck Smith's autobiography entitled A Memoir of Grace. 
you're invited to pull up a chair and listen as Pastor Chuck shares his personal story of how God's grace prepared him for life's purposes. Perhaps as you're reading this story, you'll be prompted to evaluate your own past, your present situation, and that which is yet to happen, and realize that it all plays a part in establishing God's plan for you. See God's grace at work in your own life when you order a personal copy of A Memoir of Grace by Pastor Chuck. God called me into the ministry and how God has just led us step by step. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD.